Hey ladies, welcome to Boss Ladies Connect. I am so excited that you're joining us on this podcast where we encourage women and inspire them to fully walk in everything that they've been called to do. We believe that each person has been created with a specific purpose and it is up to us to walk in it, to discover what it is and to allow it to fully manifest in our lives. And so each week we have conversations that allow us to evolve and grow and to fully understand and embrace the purpose call on our lives. And so ladies, without further ado, let us get started. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, y'all. I am so excited about this conversation. This is a real personal, personal episode for me. I have the pleasure and the honor of talking to my cousin, who um, has struggled with breast cancer, um, DAG, for like almost over 20 years. And, um, you know, we've never really had a conversation like the conversation you guys are about to listen to. And, um, you know, there may be like, you know, a little bit of background noise and it may not be the most clearest episode that you've heard, but the value in it is so important. My cousin shares her heart. She shares her journey. Her daughter even joins us and she shares what this experience has been like living with a mom who has been, who is a cancer survivor. And so before we hop into this episode, I am going to um, tell you a little bit about Samantha, who is my cousin and her daughter, Sophia. So here you go. Samantha is a 43-year-old woman of God. She is a proud mother of Sophia, her 14-year-old daughter. Uh, She is also a graduate of Rowan University located in Glassboro, New Jersey. She's a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, AKA. (laughs) Um, And upon graduating, she's worked with various law firms as a paralegal. She's also worked as a teacher's assistant as well as a private tutor. She is a four-time cancer survivor. She enjoys many outdoor activities such as riding horses and doing all of those outdoor things. And um, her daughter, Sophia, is 14 years old and a freshman at a boarding school. One of her favorite classes is literature. And right now her current activity is theater. She actually led a role in a play themed Fosse. She is also, yes, a competitive swimmer. And one of her favorite strokes to do was the butterfly. She is a huge Marvel fan and she loves the new WandaVision series. Y'all, she's not the only one. I'm hooked on WandaVision as well. But guys, I wanted to do this episode because as we're celebrating um, Women's Appreciation Month, month, which is in March, um, we've been appreciating women in history and just everyday women who have been doing some pretty awesome things. And Samantha is one of those women as well, fighting a daily battle, a daily struggle, and still showing up, still having faith, still having endurance, and still being a mom, a daughter, a friend, a cousin, and a confidant through all of it. Y'all, I'm so excited 
And excited is not the word to use. I'm so honored to be able to share um, and conversate with her about her story and her journey. So let me stop talking. Let's get to our sponsor and then start our conversation with Samantha and Sophia. Hey guys, so I'm so excited as I am approaching my 200th episode, I'm so excited to be offering a masterclass webinar to help you maximize your voice, elevate your brand, and increase your influence through podcasting. Y'all, podcasting has been one of the absolute best things that I have done. There have been so many benefits beyond monetary um, that I have been able to gain from podcasting. I've able, been able to build collaborations. I've been able to increase my influence. I've definitely been able to elevate and maximize my voice. And I am going to talk to you about how to get started doing this very thing for yourself. So if you have a voice, if you have a message, if you have a story, if you have a brand, even if you are a professional in your field and want to be seen as the expert or have expertise and knowledge that you want to share, I absolutely encourage you to start your own podcast. We've all been given different gifts. We've all been given different purposes and the brand and the message that you have deserves to be heard by other people, right? We have to begin to increase our influence. We have to begin to get the message and the brand and the purpose that has been placed on our lives outside of our four walls, right? Or our micro community and allow the greater masses to hear it. So let me tell you a little bit about what you'll get with this masterclass webinar. This masterclass webinar is an e-course that will be teaching you how to start your podcast, how to use your podcast to elevate your message and your brand, how to repurpose the content, right? Repurposing is king, y'all. How to choose a podcasting host, how to monetize, Um, We'll talk about marketing ideas. We'll talk about interviewing. I give interviewing tips. I have a bonus category where I go over interviewing tips. I talk about um, recording and editing and some of the things that I do as far as lighting because I like to use video and audio. All about repurposing, okay? Um, And I'll talk about the equipment and things that I use to allow me to be consistent and show up every week for you guys. I'll also talk about like getting your guests, vetting your guests and the process that I use to do this. Listen, this is over 200 episodes worth of information that I have gathered and things that I have learned on my podcasting journey. And I'm absolutely sharing it with you. As a bonus, you will also get a podcast planner. This planner will help you break down your episodes. It will help you break down your uh, topics, your questions, your ideas, your guests, their bio, all of the things that go into um, producing your podcast, right? And so I'm so excited to be offering this. If you are interested in maximizing your voice, elevating your brand, and increasing your influence, click the link in my show notes and purchase this masterclass. I'm, I'm so excited and I can't wait to hear your podcast when I go to my phone on the podcast platforms I use to be able to hear your podcast. All right, y'all. Happy talking. Hey, 
Hey, boss ladies. I am so excited about this episode. Um, I have some special people on the episode today. These are my familia, my family, and um, it's not often that I have my family on. And so this is definitely a special occasion. Please help me welcome Samantha and her daughter, Sophie, to Boss Ladies Connect. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. Thank you so much for having us. We're really excited to have our little chat with you. Yeah, I'm excited. This is this conversation has been a long time coming and um, I know we got a lot to kind of dive into, but before we get started, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourselves and maybe something, a fun fact that they wouldn't know just by like, I say, scrolling through your Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> following you on Facebook, just a fun fact that they wouldn't know about you all just by um, being a voyeur. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I will say that I am 43 years old, will be 44 this year in August, and I have graduated from Rowan, Rowan University here in Jersey. I am seeking my master's in education. God willing, I'll be able to finish next year it's been a very rough road but it is what it is and a fun fact about me is that I love the outdoors I don't think anybody who knows me really thinks that I love the outdoors as much as I do but I love riding horses I love going zip lining and I love just taking a walk around the neighborhood Girl, you are adventurous. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, uh, Sophie and I went zip lining in North Carolina one year, and it was amazing. Our feet didn't hit the ground for a good hour. Yeah, we <laughs> it were was just, the best. <laughs> yeah, we were just like zip lining from like station to station to station. It was really fun. Oh my god, my mouth is like open. I'm like. <laughs> I give anything to do it again. It was so much fun. Yeah, I love all that outdoor stuff. Yeah, I got stuck on the zip line twice. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, you guys, man. I just saw her feet dangling. <laughs> I'm like, what's, what's going on? But she got I don't want to keep my feet on the ground. That's me. <laughs> I'd rather fly through the air. <laughs> It depends on the day. I've been kayaking. I haven't done that in a while. I'll do that. That'll be on my list for next year. I can't do that this year. <laughs> oh, what about you, Sophie? Um, well, I'm 14. I'm going to boarding school right now. And um, a fun fact about me is I know sign language. And we used to sign, her and me, we used to sign together at church sign the songs for um, hard of hearing people or um, fully deaf people at our church called Agape. And I love that. I love that. I learned like like A, B, C, D, like the alpha. Oh, and, yes. And like it. <laughs> she taught me the alphabet. Yeah, I taught her when she was little. So I'm like, I planted that seed of yeah. ASL, but you know, we were sure. learning together. So it was, <laughs> it was a, a nice fun thing that we did together. And I encourage other people to do fun stuff, you know, with your children, even if it's for the first time as a parent that you're doing this ever. So you, you just never know what that can lead to. Yeah, that is so 
cool. and just just to say like you never know what that could lead to she actually had an opportunity in school at Chatham to sign for somebody and she was the only one that was able to step up to the plate and be able to assist um, the faculty because she was the only one that could sign which was nice. Wow. That's awesome. See, and she was saying earlier, she got something from you um, <laughs> when we were talking before the podcast. And, and this is something else that you have gotten as a result of your mom. <laughs> yeah, I imitate her a lot. <laughs> or at least I, I try to. Sometimes it annoys her a lot. I love it. <laughs> so I'm glad that we got to talk a little bit about some of the fun things, some of the lighter things and, just, um, you know, and I think that's important to just even talk about living life, like enjoying. Absolutely. absolutely. And um, I don't know if I'm a zip line, <laughs> but, you know, it, it does make me think that like um, life is precious. My girlfriend says that all the time. She was like, she said, say life is short. That's what she said. She said, I love to say that life is precious. I and like that so much better than saying life is short. Absolutely. I like that. It's a lot less scary than life is short. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I stole it from her and I've been taking it ever since. And, I, and I'm stealing it from you. So yes, life is precious. Yes, absolutely. I like really absolutely should enjoy the things that, you know, God has given us. So as we are moving into that space. Um, today we're, you know, I, I wanted to have you guys on and I'm so glad that you graciously accepted to really talk about some tougher things that you have experienced as a family, as a mom, as a, as a woman, as a family, um, yeah. concerning your different battles with cancer. And um, mm -hmm. I just really wanted to open up that conversation because I, I know a lot of people are, um, it may not be cancer, it could be other things. A lot of people right. are dealing with things in their lives that are challenging and, um, right. and difficult. And so I'm just gonna open it up to you to, to share with us a little bit about your journey, what that journey has been like. You know, <clears throat> it's been uh, the definition of, a roller coaster of emotions. Now, I was first diagnosed with cancer. I was first diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. This was around 1999-2000 and the reason why I go that far back and bring it up is because at that time I was in a car accident. My line sisters and I, we were in a car accident right off of campus and it was after that car accident that my life changed. And I was misdiagnosed three mm. separate times. Wow. And I had this lump on my neck after this accident and I went to doctor after doctor, but they just, kept saying, oh, you'll feel better. It's just from the accident. You have a degenerated disc in your neck. You have whiplash and so on and so forth. And that was completely wrong. So during this time that I'm being misdiagnosed, the cancer is spreading. 
And if you know anything about cancer, it spreads like wildflower, wildfire when you have it. It's just, it, it pretty much just explodes. So I bring up being misdiagnosed because I knew something was wrong with my body. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I needed to find out what was wrong. I knew that what those doctors were telling me didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I kept going to another doctor and to another doctor and to another doctor till finally my mom came and picked me up from school. We saw a neurologist who just happened to be a friend of my mom's boss. Wow. He saw me, he took pretty much one look at me and said, you need to go to an oncologist. And this was in the evening. I remember it being dark outside. And we're like, okay, we'll go make an appointment for tomorrow. He said, no, you need to go now. That's how far along cancer had spread, just because I was misdiagnosed. Wow. And I was in a stage, there's four stages. I was in a stage 4B. So I was almost out of here. Wow. So I say all that to say, you, you know when something is wrong. You know your body better than anybody else. You know your body better than the doctors. Who, who are just seeing you for the first time. Mm -hmm. So you, in a sense, have to be your own advocate. So I had, unfortunately, I had to deal with that, that form of cancer three separate times. But in the midst of those three times, I got the biggest blessing that I could possibly get. And that is <laughs> this little one right here, my not so little one. <laughs> I was told back in 2000 that the chances of me having children were pretty much zero to none. And I didn't think anything of it. I just really felt, okay, well, if God wants me to be a mother, I'll be a mother. I really left it at that mm -hmm. because I was just trying to stay alive. That's it. And it's just that in the midst of all the trauma and hell that someone goes through, there are still blessings and they're big blessings, big miracles. Every miracle to me is a big miracle because I'm alive to see it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that a couple of things that I take out of that is that Number one, and I, I wonder too, if it has something to do with you being a black woman, because we know like in the healthcare system, we're not treated the same, you know, our things are not taken as seriously as um, Unfortunately, yes. you know, and then I think mm -hmm. also the doctors were wrong. So they were wrong about what was going on, but then they also were wrong about you not being able to have a baby. Exactly, exactly. So I'm like, okay, Jesus. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I will say though, the first time I was 
well, the first time I had gone through cancer and was misdiagnosed, it was more so because of my age. Because I was 20, 21, it's just they never thought to take any blood from me to, to look deeper. It never occurred to them to look past what you could see and what you could feel. But right. even at the same time, they were still wrong because I did have a lump on my neck that you could see, that you could feel, and they just looked past it. And it, they just said it was this, that, and the third, and they were completely wrong. And I will also say this, I am very, very grateful that I have had doctors who believe in God. Yes. Even the, the, the doctor, the woman that I had who told me that the chances are chances of me having a baby are pretty much slim to none. She was still, you know, a believer. She was still a woman of God. And I can't lean on somebody else's faith words. My faith is for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My faith has to get me out of this, this situation and everything. And so Fast forward a few years, I got this little one and, you know, she has her own point of view of what I went through. It was a lot, a lot of things happened that I just was so surprised. I just wasn't ready for. I just, I just wasn't ready for And I just didn't see it happening like she was in nursery school and but since i was taking chemo i couldn't touch her couldn't be near her couldn't be around her and it almost broke me it almost broke me mm. and with her being so little she was like around with two years old she just she doesn't know why mommy can't stay at the house why mommy can't see her except through the window or through the door mm -hmm. so she went through a, a period where she was mad at me mm -hmm. so it's like when I could see her when I was kind of out of that that danger zone from chemo and I could hug her again she just she was just mad at me but you know I didn't take it to heart because she was so little I'm just like I know you don't understand it, it's just you know, everybody has their point of view of what you're going through, you know? Yeah. And I will share something else too. Just to, just to, to get you to understand the trauma that I have gone through. So fast forward a few years and we had an intruder in the house. Really? So Sophie was outside playing, not by herself. She had two of her friends outside. There was an adult outside, but this man came in and thankfully they ran into the house. They weren't hurt or anything. But this man forced his way into the house. He was hurting my mom and I was trying to get him off of her and he just beat me up 
pretty, pretty bad. Mm. That really left a scar on me. I didn't know if I was going to come back from that. The fear of going outside after being physically attacked Mm. is, it's just crazy. It's unbelievable. And then after that, how did he, how did, how did he, um, how did y'all get him out? Like what? He walked out. He, he walked back out. It, it was, I'm sure he had some kind of mental issues because like when he was hitting me, it was as if he couldn't even see me. It was like, he just was looking right through me, but he was tall. This guy was over six feet tall and I'm five, five on a good day. Wow. So his reach was just so long. I mean, it, it was bad. He was just punching me and punching me. I had bruises on my arm, on my back. He dragged me across the floor. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Thank God that Sophie's friend had a cell phone and was able to call 911 because everything happened so fast Mm -hmm. and he just let me go and he just walked into the den and then he walked back out the house and he didn't even try to run from the police when the police got there so it was just a nightmare it it was a nightmare even though as bad as it was I know it could have been a lot worse thankfully Mm -hmm. He didn't have a weapon on him. I didn't, when he pulled me down to the ground, I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't know if he had a knife, a gun, or was just going to strangle me. I just, I had no clue what what was going to happen from millisecond to millisecond. It it was horrible. (sighs) Then after that, I had to have open heart surgery which was another form of hell, basically, because I was in the hospital for almost a month. And once again, it just wasn't looking good. I was, I was almost out of here again. I was in ICU with tubes coming out of my chest and barely keeping my eyes open. Machine is as big as the room. Or all, what was that? Was that procedure related to? Um, um, no, well, it, it was well. It didn't help, I'll put it that way. Yeah. But it was really from all the chemo that I've had. Because like I said, I had cancer three times prior to that. So it's just, at one point, one of the doctors actually told me that I had as much chemo as they could legally give me because I was that sick. Mm. So it's chemo on top of transfusions and therapy and it's, it's a lot. 
I mean, I don't need to go into all the details about that, but it's just one problem just led to another problem, which led to another problem. And then once again, fast forward a few times and I find out I had breast cancer. I will, I told you that I will be honest and transparent. I was feeling like, I was feeling like God didn't like me, that God didn't love me, that life is so unfair, so hard. And I'm just trying to go to school, just trying to live, be a good daughter, be a good mother. And I just kept getting knocked down over and over and over. So I just, for a moment there, I was very suicidal. When I found out I had breast cancer, I just wanted to be done. I just wanted to be done with this thing called life. What turned it around for you? The blessing, right? The blessing. She did. And I... I would say going through everything else, I would just say, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to show your child that you can keep going no matter what. Just keep going. And it was like I just hit, hit a wall where I just couldn't, I couldn't go any further. And the breast cancer was something, again, that I found myself. I was misdiagnosed with that too. I, ever since the very first time back in 2000, when I was diagnosed with the Hodgkin's lymphoma, I did breast exams all the time. And, and that's because I learned how to do it properly because the doctor that I had would do them with every visit, every single visit with my oncologist, she did the breast exam. So just from how knowing how it felt when she would do it, that's how I knew how to do it properly. And what happened was my, uh, my nipple on my left side started to retract. And when I brought it up to my doctor, to my PCP, she just told me that, you know, sometimes that happens with women who have been nursing, you know, you're getting older and well, and I'm thinking my child is 13. I mean, a lot of time, yeah, 13. And I'm like, what does me breastfeeding have anything to do with her? You, you know, like it's yeah, so yeah. much later. 
I can see if she was one or two or even five, but not 13 years later. Mm -hmm. So I just kept going back saying, no, something is wrong. And the reason why my nipple started to retract was because the cancer had reached the skin. So when I say my faith has been tested, I really had to exercise the faith. You can't just say you have faith. It just doesn't work like that. Right. And we all know that faith without works is dead. So I kept going. I kept saying something is wrong. Something is wrong. I know something is wrong. And finally, I, I you know, went to the breast center and got the uh, mammograms done, got the ultrasounds done, got MRIs done. And even though the cancer was reaching my skin, the actual tumor itself was very small. I couldn't really feel any tumors. It just got to the point where it was in my skin. And once it gets there, once again, it could just spread anywhere very, very quickly. So next thing you know, I am in surgery, having a double mastectomy done, and I'm still having work done on my chest. And I went through a period where I knew I knew that it was breast cancer and it was just, I couldn't even tell anybody. Mm. I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't say it out loud. And I know that, you know, your listeners, they have their own stories where you can't tell anybody. You just can't find the words, the emotions, anything to just say what has happened that's where I was I just couldn't say a thing because I was still processing I was still angry at God I was still confused I was still hurt it's just like I said that emotional roller coaster was just there and you just gotta go through it whatever it is for me that's what it was it was the breast cancer that was pushing me over the edge but i had to take a step back i said i cannot leave my baby i cannot do this to her i, I cannot do this to her she needs me i need her mm -hmm. i can't i can't be in this world without her and i cannot leave her like this not like this and what was, and Sophie, what were, how were you feeling what, through all these times when, when you were younger and your mom is in and out the hospital? And like, I know she said at one point you were mad at her. You didn't really understand. What, what has this been like for you? Um, well, when she was first diagnosed with lymphoma, I don't remember because I was so yeah. young. 
I was like I was like a legitimate toddler. I was one, two, three. Yeah. Um, I I guess I I really don't remember. I guess I probably just blocked it out of my memory because I do remember a lot of things from when I was a baby, but I don't remember her being sick. Or maybe I really just did suppress it. Um, you mind telling Auntie about how you were feeling when I was going through the breast cancer? Like, do you remember some of the things that you were feeling? And I was just mad. I was just really mad. I was mad at everybody. I was mad at. I, I was mad at you, I was mad at myself, I was mad at grandma, I was mad at uncle, I was mad at the doctors for getting it wrong the first time because the test at first, I was there with her in the car when she got the call and they said it tested negative. Mm -hmm. So then when she told me that it was positive, it was a real shock because I was there with her when she got the call and then they just they, they just made a mistake like you just made a mistake that my mother could be dying again so i was i was really mad i was mad and i didn't really not as bad as her but i didn't see the point in trying Does that makes sense I didn't see the point in life. I just really didn't care about anything. Um, and this was like during the time where like the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to actually have the motivation to do things like just schoolwork, just help around the house. It was like really, my, my motivation was already low because I didn't see the point. And then with, yeah. The year of 2020, it just brought it down, like almost completely. Sophie and really went through this withdrawal period. And like she said, she was getting angry. And because I'm the one going through it, I'm, I'm trying very hard to see through her eyes, but it is kind of difficult because I'm just, I feel awful. I just feel awful physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. I'm just drained. So it was as if I'm just grabbing energy from the deepest part of my soul just to communicate. And I even asked her, I said, are you mad at me for being sick? And she kind of hesitated a little bit and I said, I, it's okay. I won't be upset. You have a right to feel however you want to feel. And I just want to encourage women out there to talk to your kids because it does really help. It does and that's help. coming from her. Um, because I feel like if she didn't talk to me about it, I would have repressed it even more mm -hmm. and I wouldn't have gotten like I wouldn't have realized that I needed help and I probably would have been a lot worse. Um, it's just, I didn't feel the need to tell her because like 
Well, as she already said, because I was young, because I was younger, and even when I was younger, I was mad at her. So I felt like I was just acting like a toddler again. And I just tried to remind myself I wasn't a little kid anymore. And see, I didn't even realize she was looking at it that way. Yeah. Or even probably not wanting to add to like anything else, not wanting to make that something else that Mm -hmm. your mom would have to be thinking about. Did you guys, have you guys had any therapy around all of these traumatic events that have taken place? Um, Honestly, I, I didn't really have the time or the chance to because I was taking chemo. I was taking chemo so much. And then after that, I was taking radiation. And I was taking radiation right at the height of the pandemic, right when everything was shutting down. So then it was like, you know, I just needed us to be each other's. Yeah. Yeah. And I will always encourage her to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I would tell her all the time, it does not have to be me. I just want you to talk to whoever you feel comfortable talking with. Yeah, I tried to I just I tried to get her to talk to me a little bit more. Um, like about just her issues because I really did want to help. I I still do. And I tell her that talking helps. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that way I'm not guessing how she feels. It's not, oh, I think she's upset. No, I know for a fact she's upset because she told me. She even told me that, like, I noticed that not only was she upset, but she was avoiding me. Mm. It was like, I would be in the kitchen and I would go into the dining room or the living room and then she'll come in the kitchen. Or it's like she will always come into a room after I left the room. And then eventually when I brought it up to her, because I want to be open and honest about everything we could be open and honest um, with. So I said, why do you, why are you avoiding me? Like she would just stay up in her room and it was, and I knew it wasn't because she's just being a teenager. I knew something was different. Mm -hmm. And she told me that she was avoiding me because she was having a hard time looking at me because every time she looked at me, she thought about me dying. Mm. So one thing that I noticed about you guys' relationship is that you guys have a really, really close relationship. And I love the communication because- You didn't grow up like that. No job. Not at all. (laughs) And even like, I'm even thinking about like my relationship. And so I kind of, you do what you see, you know what I mean? So I kind of, I'm sure they, they had a lot of feelings that we didn't talk about because I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be okay. So I'm wondering like if, you know, back to the, the, um, the phrase that life is precious, yeah. if that really changed, like how you showed up as a mom, how you showed up in your relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not even so much about just being her friend. I want to be my daughter's friend. No, it's not. That's not the case. It's like you said, it's the relationship, it's the communication. I want her to know 
without a doubt that she can come to me and know that she's not going to be judged, that I'm going to listen to her. I'm not going to do one of these, point the finger and say, you do as I say, not as I do. I, I refuse to have her grow up like that. And, um, and it works. It works. I definitely do feel like I can talk to her about anything. Some things I just prefer to keep to myself because mm -hmm. I'm not, um, she knows this, I'm not a very touchy feely person for the most part but she is with me <laughs> but i am <laughs> um so i just sometimes when i so um i had a program to do and i was like over the pandemic and i was really <laughs> doing bad like it was it was not even funny, like, because horrible. again, it just goes back to I had little to no motivation. And then she just let me have it. <laughs> Mama hat came back on. Like, yes, absolutely. She, she really let me have it. I thought it was, I thought it was so bad. I thought that she hated me at one point, but I'm not. I told her, you need to get it together. <laughs> I can't be sitting here. You know, and and let me just say, um, don't think that when someone's taking chemo or going through whatever, you know, the rest of the world does not stop. Mm -hmm. It's not sitting around going, oh, poor you, what happened to you? No, I still had stuff to do. Yeah, I'm, t I'm a patient, but I'm also someone's mother and I'm also someone's daughter. I still have bills to pay. I still have things uh, to get done, places to go. You know, I still have life right. to do and to handle. And, and I would be, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I would be at chemo setting up interviews for her for school. I mean, I, I'm sitting there hooking me up with, to everything and I'm sitting here like, oh, she can come at 1130 on such and such date, January, whatever. And, you know, I'm still doing the mom stuff. I'm still trying to help my mother get out the driveway. <laughs> that's, mainly <laughs> the driveway. that's mainly a her problem. But I mean, but I'm just, you know, saying like, I wasn't sitting home just twiddling my thumbs like la di da di da, you know. She still had work to do, and I still had to be on top of it because of what she was going through. Like, you know, she was just like you said, not motivated. And I'm still like, listen, you got to get it together. I'm not sitting here going through this for nothing. Yeah. I'm working hard at this. You need to work hard at what you're doing. I think it was such an, well, so what I see, because even talking to Sophie at 14 and even like her, her comprehension and the way that she's breaking stuff down, what I see is that even her going through this experience with you and y'all going through it together, it has really poured something into her, like the endurance and the faith and the, all the things that you've had to pull out of yourself to be able to be there for her. It's, it's like 
I can't wait. Okay. Can I just say, I said it here. I can't wait to see the young woman that she becomes because mm -hmm. all of that, like everybody doesn't get that. Everybody doesn't right. get that example. Everybody doesn't get right. exactly. Everybody is not able to communicate in that way. And, and like, I keep coming back to the blessings. So like when you started out saying that she was your blessing, um, it just, it, I just see, I see God's handiwork in the midst of all the things that looks like he wasn't there. You know what I mean? Exactly. 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 And I, well, there is something that I, I would like to share um, with your listeners as for those who know someone that's going through cancer specifically, not necessarily breast cancer, but so many times I've had people reach out to me, like family members and friends, when they reach out to me to see how I'm doing, almost all of them have said, I was going to call you, I was going to text you, but I didn't want to bother you. That has to stop. I'm glad you're bringing this up because that was one of my questions. How do we support, like how, like what, what ways are you looking uh, or what, what ways would be actual support for you, you know, versus like what we think support is. Exactly. And what it is, is how do I know that you're thinking about me, you're praying for me, if you don't tell me, if you don't bother me, if and I would say all the time, I'd rather you bother me than not reach out. Because if you call, I, if I can't answer the phone, I won't answer the phone. If I can, I will. If you text me, I will see it when I'm feeling up to it. There are times when I would just be out for the count all day, cannot function, and my phone would ring, or I would tell my mom, can you just, you know, answer the phone? phone and just let them know I just don't really feel like talking right now so it's it's better to reach out than to not reach out yeah and I mean even I did it too at one point mm -hmm. like sometimes I was really scared to be around her because I really didn't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or make her feel uncomfortable and then like it that was me avoiding her. It was me mad at her, but it was also me just like really not wanting to add any stress onto what she's already going through because she's already going through a lot and I just don't want to make that worse. And that's the second thing that I would hear. I don't want to add to you. Like, I don't want to tell you what's going on in my life because you're already going through through so much. Um, you know me well if you know if you're reaching out to me you know me at some at some level you know that i still care about you and what you're going through yes what i'm going through is horrible but i'm still able to listen i'm still able to be a friend to to you and do you find it helpful too to like get your mind off of absolutely absolutely because i'm i'm like staring cancer in the face every day every day but i still 
keep going. Life is still going on. So I'm still interested in, in your life and what's going on because I love you. You love me. So we can just share. And if it's something that you just don't want to talk about, that's different. But when you just don't want to talk, that's something else. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I would hear, I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. You can say that. You can say, you know what? I just really don't know what to say to you right now, but I just wanted to hear your voice. Make sure you're okay. Girl, you teach, you t- first of all, you're teaching me. And- <laughs> but you know, sometimes it can be that simple because I don't know that you care enough to think about me unless you tell me, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I can't always be the one to initiate phone calls. I, you can't sit there and wait for me to tell you that I'm okay. The phone works both right, ways. right. Like she said the phone works both ways. Mm-hmm. So just reach out. When somebody's going through something, reach out and don't, don't, hold, don't hold your feelings back. And that goes both ways too. You, you know, are you are calling me to check on me. I want to be honest with you. You know what? I'm not feeling like much right now, but I can, I can sit here and talk for a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like what I think white allies were trying to do with Black Lives Matter. But they just don't want to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You need to feel uneasy. You need to feel uncomfortable because if you never feel uncomfortable, then you're not going to get anywhere to a point where you do feel comfortable. You can't get a right. rainbow without rain. <laughs> Somebody is dropping gems over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You are right, Sophie. And, and I'm reminded of like, I know the couple of times that like I've come to the hospital, like I remember one, one specific time it was a Sunday and like you was just on my mind and I was like I'm not going to church I remember my exact thought was I am not going to church to sit in the pew when I could go see my cousin and I think we were just there just talking for hours and I was just thinking to myself like it's so simple exactly simple we just have to prioritize it we have to make time i remember playing monopoly with you Mm -hmm. in the hospital and i can't tell you how happy that made me it's like it's and it goes back to you know your time is the biggest gift you can give somebody your time is something that you spend it with somebody because you love them and you can't get that back so you're being precious with your time by spending it with me or anybody else that you care about because once it's gone it's gone so it is very precious that time is precious that time means everything and i want i'm so glad i got to share that with you because i've been wanting to get that out for so long just pick up that phone call text send a pigeon whatever just reach out <laughs> you can reach me by railway you can reach me by telescope or something what is i can't get a can with a pony express um you know smoke signal just just reach out you know it's like i said if you don't if you know if 
the person doesn't feel like talking, they could tell you that. The occasional can on a string works as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to, I'm, this is might be a little bit tougher for me, but I want to share some things about talking with breast cancer patients. Now, one of the things that I had to deal with over and over and over again was after I got my mastectomy, I got the double mastectomy, which means both breasts were removed. Everybody kept saying, oh, you're gonna get your perky boobs now. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna have perky boobs like forever. I, I didn't wanna hear that. I really didn't want to hear that. And I couldn't say it because I was so mad that if I said it at the time that I was feeling like that, it would have come out very badly. Right. It would have come out very badly. It's insensitive because this was an amputation. I no longer have this body part. And you're like, oh, you're going to have it replaced with perky booms and blah, 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 blah. No, I'm still processing everything that I'm going through. Right. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a breast reduction or. And I had to correct somebody about that because they were making the mistake of comparing what I went through to what somebody else went through when it wasn't even the same thing. Mm. It was oh, when so-and-so had their breast reduction, stop. No, I did not have a breast reduction. Mm -hmm. Okay, but when so-and-so had, stop. I had an amputation. This body part is gone. You wouldn't talk to somebody who lost their leg for whatever reason about running around. That's just insensitive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but because it's my breast you feel like you can make a joke about this mm -hmm. no it's no no you wouldn't do that if it was any other body part mm -hmm. yeah I come I I know the couple of times when I've gone to get my um breast exam and got very dense breasts so they always have me come back like every six months mm -hmm. and like you know you go through in your mind like what is what if something is there? What if something happens? And then, and then I start, you know, you start going down the headspace and then I'm like, well, what if they had to take my breast? And I'm like, like, this has been with me all of my life. Like <laughs> they, they are a part of who I am. And so like, I mean, I, you know, I would do what I have to do, but it's not a small thing to lose something that it is mine. Like exactly. it's a part of me. And I am still adjusting to it. I can, I can talk about it now, but I couldn't for a long time. I still have an extremely, extremely hard time looking in the mirror. I don't like looking in the mirror because what I've been seeing all these years of my life, I don't see anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just not there and it will never be there again it's a loss right i'm grieving this loss of part of my body my chest was i wasn't small i was pretty heavy at the top i was 
pretty good at disguising it, but it was still there. It was still a part of my body. I was even getting ready to talk to my doctor about a breast reduction when everything happened. Now, another issue that I've been having lately is that it seems like some people are just walking on eggshells around me because, you know, they just don't know what to say. And it's so annoying for a lack of better words. It's just annoying because I just, I'll, I'll give you an example of how I've got past this. Like <laughs> since I don't have the boobs that I had before, I can wear a lot of her shirts now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is really nice. <laughs> it's fine because I steal her shirts as well. So, I mean, I can live with it. So we were on, you know, video chat while she was at school and I was telling her that I was wearing uh, her shirt. So I said, don't be surprised if I'm wearing one of your shirts when I come and pick you up from, from school for your spring break. And she, she says, well, not having boobs seems to be working out for you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, wow. But you know what? I was so glad that she said it because she's just being herself. And, you know, we have that kind of relationship where she's always teasing me and stuff. So I'm glad that she's not walking around on the eggshells with me. But like, she wouldn't say that to somebody else. Oh, no, definitely. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, you don't have to tiptoe around. You know, it's okay to say, how are your breasts feeling? Like, what's, like, really what's going on? Because what's going on with me right now is that I've had a problem with my implant. I had a problem with my incision. My incision opened up. I went to the doctor. It was Monday. He took one look at me. He said, you're going into surgery on Wednesday. Wait, what? Uh, we can't just, you know, take care of this in the office or, you know, like you can't just sew it up. He's like, no, you're going into surgery. <sighs> okay. And that happened twice. Wow. So I had, so I had to have the implants replaced, sewn up and everything. It opened up again. So we did the same thing, had the implant replaced, blah, blah, blah. That didn't work either. So now I had another surgery where they use the muscle from your back and they put it in the front. So that's what's going on now. I'll have another surgery at the end of uh, April, beginning of May, and then I have another surgery. So it's like, you know, what can I say? I'm just one tough cookie. You are. So, you know, I, I don't need someone to, to tiptoe around everything. Like, I can take it. I can, I can take it. Exactly. <laughs> I just told somebody the other day, I said, look, I'm not some delicate flower where you have to tiptoe around it. If you got something to say, say it. If you want to ask me something, ask me. It's okay. I don't have to answer every question that's asked. If I don't want to answer it, I won't answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of my friends actually said something to me because um, 
besides like around family, I usually I usually am an overall anxious person when it comes to strangers or friends that yeah. I don't know that well. And then she uh, she's a junior at my school. And then I was just like, seriously, if like I ever like go too far or anything, just please let me know. I'll be fine. And then she told me I set my own boundaries. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I tell you that you've gone too far, I will say it myself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like just relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, relax. You just set your boundaries. Me. I will set mine. I think this is so important because people people don't know what to do. And exactly. like, and you understand that you you, yeah. you do. I, I understand that, and I also want to say something to the caregivers out there. Don't think that everything you do goes unnoticed. Mm-hmm. We see everything. We can see your exhaustion through our own exhaustion. Right, and we are so appreciative. Sometimes we just don't have the energy to, to, to verbalize it. Mm-hmm. But you are greatly, greatly appreciated. I couldn't do anything without my mother. Mm-hmm. And with the last couple of surgeries with Corona and everything, she can only go but so far in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I know that it was very hard for her not to come to my hospital room. And it was weird for, for me not having my mother walk to the, you know, the room with me or be waiting um, in my room for me. Mm-hmm. And I know that as hard as it is for me, it's hard to, because she's seeing her daughter fight for her life over and over and over again. Now, if it was Sophie too, like I can't even imagine seeing your child go through this. And it's just that, you know, that caregiver role is not easy because I can't drive myself everywhere. I can't even get up and get myself something to eat sometimes, especially at that time after chemo. Sometimes you just, you just wiped out, you're just done. And then you slowly get back. And the next thing you know, you're in chemo again. Like at one point I was taking chemo every week, but she was always taking me to my doctor's appointments to my chemo appointments to my radiation appointments. And I just have that's just been my life these past couple years, appointment after appointment after appointment. But I couldn't have put one foot in front of the other without that caregiver. Mm-hmm. So I want to personally thank those who are caregivers to their loved ones, or if it's just your profession, that your hard work, your empathy does not go unnoticed you do so much more than you think and the patient sees everything mm-hmm. i love that i love that i know a lot of caregivers and it takes a certain that's a gift it is it is not easy it is a gift and sometimes well, it could be one of those thankless positions yeah so true i want to um before we wrap up, I want to ask you 
um, to share like what, what advice or what words of encouragement would you give someone who um, is in your position um, to help them, I guess to encourage them or to help them along this, this journey? Keep going. Just keep going. That is literally what I would tell myself. And I'm still telling myself that to this day. This has been over 20 years that I've been telling myself to just keep going, keep going. And as bad as it has been, as bad as it could have been, you're still here, which means God is not done with you, which means God still has some blessings for you. I had to repent for those thoughts and feelings that I've had about God not loving me. Because in the midst of everything, he was still blessing me, but I was too hurt physically, emotionally. I was just too hurt to, to see the blessings past my pain, but there are blessings there. You just got to keep going and they're going to keep coming. And I also want to say that while you're going through whatever it is you're going through, you still have a responsibility as a person of God to pray for other people. I went through a period where I was just feeling useless. I just, I just felt like a burden. And that's just, that is just the enemy playing mind tricks with you. Because when you are physically feeling bad, it is so easy for the enemy to come through the smallest crack in that door and mess with your mind. But when you start praying for other people, praying for their families, those blessings are gonna come even more and God is gonna shock you and he's gonna shock you again and shock you again. So you're just gonna know that you know that you know that there's nothing but the Lord keeping you and you can keep going. With that Holy Trinity, you can keep going and you will be blessed for it. I love that. And that's even all the more reason why we should be reaching out. Exactly. Because it gives, it gives um, everyone something to pray for. And it, it, it reminds you that, that everybody is bearing a cross. You know, the crosses may look different. They are different, but it reminds us, it reminds us that it's not, mm -hmm. It's not just about what's going on in our world. Like I'm speaking to myself too. <laughs> it really was your mom that helped me to see that. Because just out of conversation with her, I was just saying, I don't know what to do with myself. I don't, you know, I just didn't feel useless. And you know how your mom does, you know, Sammy, you do have a responsibility. You know, you just pray for other people. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, how come I didn't think of that? <laughs> because, you know, it's that when the pain is physical, it is so hard to see past it. Mm -hmm. It is so hard. But once you start fixing your mind on the Lord, it is, it's just everything is so much more bearable. You start seeing the blessing that were staring you right in the face, and you just didn't even realize it because you couldn't see past your pain. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is more 
to this moment. You can get past it. You just got to keep going. Just keep going. Girl, it, this is reminding me, I keep talking about this sermon um, last week by, I don't know when people are going to listen, but it's called Borrowed Confidence by Pastor Stephen Furtick. And he, the two scriptures he was, he kept referencing was, oh gosh, Psalms 27. And it's, um, I will remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And the other one was Philippians 1, 6. And it was um, um, Philippians 1, 6. um, Oh, but I am confident in this that he who began a good work in me will be faithful until completed. That's right. And he was talking about like how our confidence has to be in God when we redirect ourselves to him and to what he has said, it just changes the game. And I was like, Lord, let me, let me, let that resonate, not just in my mind, but in my heart, in my spirit. So I'm reminded that, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And, right. and you will, um, you who has started a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Right. And so that just reminded me of that, mm-hmm. that sermon. I am, I have fully enjoyed this conversation. I think that there is so much learning that has just taken place and so much information that um, people are going to be able to gain that I think is going to give them freedom and is also going to help them in whatever um, roles that they may be in, whether it's the supporter or the family member or the caregiver Mm -hmm. or the patient, you know, Mm -hmm. I wanted to give Sophie an opportunity to, um, to say any last words or any words of advice that she would give to anyone who's um, has a parent you know, that is dealing with this? Um, if you have a parent that is dealing with this, know that you know that you can talk to them or you can talk to somebody. It doesn't just have to be them. Um, please know that, you know, your feelings are real and valid and important. Yes. And if anyone tries to thwart you or try not to make you feel like you are really valid, sometimes you really do just need to not cut people out of your life, but sometimes you really just need to stop listening and just take a moment to reflect on yourself or with the actual patient or with your parent. Just be there. Just be there for them. Just do what you need to do and just know that they have somebody. Have l- Remind them that they have someone to fight for. Or yes. remind them that, you know, you're, that you're fighting for them too. That mm-hmm. you are always going to be here. Even if it doesn't seem like you're here. Mm-hmm. You are. <laughs> that's awesome. That's just reminding that that's also speaking to how important your presence is. Like yes. you can't downplay your presence exactly. and how and how much um, how much strength and impact and power is gained through you just being present and you mm-hmm. being 
I feel like the reason why I don't fully remember her going through chemo or cancer as a baby was because she was always there. I always have really good memories as a little kid, just knowing that I could, that I always had somebody to meet me. Someone who was always going to be there. And I just want you to know that I can always be there. Oh, my bumblebee. Oh. What did you say? Because I didn't hear that last part. <laughs> I said that, um, what did I say? She said she wanted me to know that she will always be there for me. Oh, my little bumblebee. That is an awesome note to end on. Thank you guys so much for coming and sharing your story. Thank um, you for having us. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you guys. I really enjoyed this. Me too. Thank you. Ladies, did you enjoy that episode or what? Did this episode speak to you in some kind of way? I would absolutely love to hear about it. Y'all know it does my heart good when you subscribe and you share this podcast with someone else that you know can absolutely benefit from it. Y'all, we are out here connecting, walking in our purpose and encouraging each other along the way. I love meeting with you every week and I'd love to stay further connected. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Tisha underscore talks and to visit my website, www.tishatalks.org. You'll find the podcast, you'll find other videos, and you'll find other courses and classes and workshops, conferences, the list goes on and on to the things that we are currently doing so that we can further connect beyond this weekly podcast. So ladies, without further ado, I want you guys to walk fully in everything that you've been called to align your passion with your purpose and go out there and get everything that has your name on it. Talk to you later.